So, Gunner, I have sad news. Oh, no. What happened? So, um, we always talk about Lauren's guinea pigs. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, um, one of her two guinea pigs, the uh, mother of, of the two guinea pigs, uh, she passed away since last episode. Oh, no. What happened? Is it Was it uh, unexpected or... It was a surprise for everybody. Um, you know, it just sort of went down in the cage, and I was out of town, so that was hard. Oh, um, oh that's and, terrible. But uh, my wife uh, found Ginners uh, uh, at peace in, in the cage, and uh, Fibonacci was uh, still there, um, so she's doing okay. But, uh, yeah, so if, if – I'll put a link in the show notes, but if, if you go to uh, Lauren's uh, Great Guinea Pig Escape uh, scratch game that she made, you know, that we talked about years ago. Um, she put a little eulogy in there. Um, I, I could read it if you want. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, please. Yeah. So, uh, just basically says, uh, rest in peace to Ginners, uh, the inspiration for this game. She had a long life and we loved her a lot and gave her a lot of love in return. That is so sweet. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so what I I think what I'm gonna do is I'm I'm gonna dedicate this episode to her memory and make sure that everybody listening to this episode has the same level of joy that uh, she's brought to Lauren and the rest of our family. Very well said. Very yeah. well said. Excellent. So how are you doing? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. My uh, my lovely and talented wife uh, shattered her Moto X <gasps> recently. Um, oh no. Yeah, just which is. But, you know, it shattered like it was an iPhone. I mean, she dropped it on the ground and then it, you know, just spiderwebbed. Oh. Um, apparently there was a there was a brief window in which Motorola was willing to do the right thing and uh, they would replace your screen for free for nothing. Oh. Um, but uh, apparently that policy is no longer in place. So we had, a, we had an old iPhone 4 lying around and she had been talking about how much she hated the Moto X camera and how much she liked the iPhone camera. So I was like, okay, well, let's switch it out. So we switched it out, and she gets home from the, uh, uh, from the AT&T store, and the first thing out of her mouth is, I hate this thing. It's stupid, it's clunky, and it wants my Apple password for everything. <laughs> Which is, wow. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and she's, uh, she's like an Apple, uh, I want to say zealot, but uh, she's enthusiastic about the fan Apple girl. product. She's a fangirl. I would say yeah. that. Um, yeah. And uh, so it was interesting to see that uh, living with Android for a little while actually turned her, which is not something I had expected. I expected her to kind of eagerly return to the warm embrace of the uh, of the Apple ecosystem. But um, no, she's she's now frustrated about it. She hates iOS 7 and iOS 8. She thinks she doesn't like the interface. Um, she uh, Yeah, she genuinely enjoys Android more. So now we're on a hunt for an Android phone that, uh, uh, that has a decent camera. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, how about you? What else is, uh, sorry to hear about Jenner's, but, uh, um, what is, oh, you, you had your RCE exam, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I made it through that. So that was, that was a tough one. Uh, so the RHCSA was, you know, I was strutting when I was walking out of the, uh, the kiosk, but, mm-hmm. but this one, I was just like clutching my chest and, and, uh, staggered out of it. I felt like I went like 10 rounds with uh, Mike Tyson up in the middle of Ohio somewhere. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I, I made it through uh, unscathed and, and it basically uh, adds uh, three more years onto my RHC and RHCAEA and all that for, uh, so I'm good until 2017. Excellent. Excellent. And, and we don't have to fire you. So that's nice. Right. Right. Cause that's, that's part of my rider. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
in terms of employment. Right? <laughs> well, cool. All right. So what do we got? Uh, well, we got well, we got the usual the usual fare actually. This uh, this episode we've got. Uh, um, folks at home can't see the etherpad that we're looking at, but uh, we have like a page and a half on this topic. Um, <laughs> sort of rants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So usually, you know, we'll we'll find something interesting to talk about and we'll do, you know, just like a title and a link. Uh, Dave has put in place uh, easily 600 word rant around this. And I'm gonna, so I'm looking forward to uh, introing this session and then just stepping back and eating popcorn and watching Dave <laughs> and watching Dave burn. Um, so we get the, this FBI thing, which uh, I'm looking forward to, um, a whole, the whole section on, uh, malvertising, uh, which is a nice portmanteau. Uh, and then, uh, Richard Branson apparently has a new PTO policy. Um, which is a uh, which is intriguing. So, uh, Dave, if folks want to read the uh, full rant, the unexpurgated rant, uh, can they can they go to our website uh, where we have that transcribed? Yeah, yeah. So, well, I don't know if it'll be transcribed, but we'll have links. Um, so they can go to dgshow.org. So D's and Dave, G's and Gunner, show.org. Mm-hmm. And what did we have to uh, drop to make room for the uh, for the ranting? Yeah. So um, I found the perfect uh, radio hat that matches your uh, Faraday pajamas. So sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, for your uh, uh, basement uh, bunker, a uh, zombie safe zone map that, that you can hang up. There's one for um, Austin. Um, there There is not one for Akron. So I'm, I'm concerned. Um, maybe I'm screwed. I don't know. Um, and then the other thing I found that was pretty awesome is where the wild things are as read by Christopher Walken. It's amazing, by the way. I, I watched it last night and uh, I'm... I'm... I have plans to play it on the on the projector on the big screen and have Soren watch it and then record his response. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's really wonderful. Nice, right, cool. We got to get Christopher Walken to do uh, Good Night Dune. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. that would be a great idea. Um, okay. So, what do we got in uh, follow up? What's in the FU? Yeah. So uh, the FU. Um, so I got uh, a note. Uh, Lauren I did actually from uh, Ken Burns. Uh, remember when uh, Lauren interviewed him, he's the uh, entrepreneur that does tiny circuits, like sure. the little t- teeny tiny Arduinos in Akron. Yeah. And uh, he just told me that they just came out with uh, a, a new product or uh, called Tiny Screen. So mm-hmm. imagine it's about the size of a uh, like a digital watch sort mm-hmm. of screen. And it it snaps right onto a tiny circuits Arduino and you could do all kind of things with it. Like make like uh, like you could actually make your own smartwatch using open source and everything. And it has buttons on the sides of it and stuff like that. And uh, he did a, he's doing a Kickstarter for it. I, I think it's still going, but he was fully funded in eight hours. Wow. Yeah. No wonder that's the, what a fun component. That sounds yeah. great. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, so it's, I'll put a link in there if people want to check it out and you could do uh little uh, medallions or whatever uh for necklaces for the uh for uh for your wife for christmas uh mm-hmm. a smart medallion mm-hmm. or uh do your own open source smartwatch you got a, a lot of options there yeah i know that's right i could actually uh it sounds like i could sew them into my faraday pajamas mm-hmm. um to uh so i can kind of communicate radiation levels um like measure ambient chemtrails and and yeah. display the results on the oh that's oh, okay no you could just broadcast it right into your brain too mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. No, I like that right. excellent and then uh, you remember we talked about Kareg uh, that yeah. uh, cake cups yep yeah, yep yeah, cake cups uh, the kings of vendor lock-in uh, mm-hmm. in the coffee industry 
Mm-hmm. Um, so apparently, uh, this is not the only evil thing that, that they do. Uh, uh, they're actually being sued in Ontario uh, because they've basically been racketeering. Um, they've been shaking down coffee shops, um, mm. saying like, listen, it would be, listen, you really ought to be carrying the K-cups and you really ought to have, a, you know, the displays up here near the front of the store. Otherwise it'd be a shame if something terrible happened at this place. Wow. Um, yeah, right. uh, I'm exaggerating, but only a little bit. Uh, so, uh, there's a link to that in the show notes. Wonderful. Mm. I wonder if the, is there like that elephant poop K-cup? Did oh. they make them? Excellent question. Excellent question. I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, they're so yeah. evil to start with. I wouldn't put yeah. it past them to uh, uh, be putting out. Yeah, it's probably not free range elephants. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, they're getting sued for $600 million and <laughs> couldn't happen to a nicer set of folks. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. I've, uh, uh, I've made myself a drink here. I've got, uh, I got some popcorn. Um, I'm seated comfortably. Uh, Dave, uh, what is the FBI position on encrypted cell phones? Yeah. So I, so the big thing that's going on is that, um, you know, iOS, the, I guess the new version of iOS, or I don't know if it's there now or it's planned to be, but the default is for the iOS devices to be encrypted by default. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I guess you boot them up and then you got to unlock them whenever they boot. And then with, um, that's currently today an option on Android, but uh, with Android L, which is the next Android release, it's encrypted by default. Uh, again and so like the FBI has come out and and it's like you got all kind of people you got like the FBI saying um, uh, the was it the director of the FBI he said what concerns me about this is companies marketing something so expressly to allow people to place themselves beyond the law Um, (laughs) he told reporters and he said the bureau has reached out to Apple and Google to understand what they're thinking and why they think it makes sense I love this. I love this presumption of uh, that a- Apple and Google have to now justify themselves to the FBI. Yeah, this is like straight out of like an Ayn Rand book. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I also, and I, and as you say, I like the language. Um, I think that it was uh, uh, the Chicago uh, police chief of detectives. Um, I love this quote. Would, would you do me the Would you do me the favor of reading this quote from him? Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So uh, Apple will become the phone of choice for pet, for the pedophile, um, <laughs> uh, said John J. Escalante, chief of detectives for Chicago's police department. The average pedophile at this point is probably thinking, I got I got to get an Apple iPhone. <laughs> of course. Uh, OK, so, so Dave, walk me through. I, I, I know that you and you and I agree on this matter. And uh, and I know that most people listening probably agree. Um, but actually. As a little aside, I was uh, I was at a conference recently, and mm-hmm. I was at a roundtable talking about uh, kind of the consequences of the Snowden revelations. Mm-hmm. And somebody seated at the table uh, crossed his arms, looked me straight in the eye, and said, "Well, you know, I don't know what the big fuss is about. Um, so what if they're listening to my telephone calls and reading my emails? I mean, if you're not doing anything wrong, you got nothing to hide, right?" Oh, that's that's probably that's probably. Bad news. It's it's probably it got real quiet in there really fast. Huh? It did get real quiet, and then, but Dave, I'll tell you this: I, I'm embarrassed because uh, I know how I feel about this. Um, mm-hmm. I know how I feel about this intuitively, but I looked at this guy and I wanted to come up with some witty, cutting remark uh, mm-hmm. that would reveal to everyone at the table exactly um, how profoundly wrong this guy was. And I found myself stuck. I couldn't articulate the counterargument. Um, 
I mean, I could go the long way around. I probably could have spent 10 minutes talking about why this guy was wrong, but um, I couldn't encapsulate it into something easily digestible. So maybe we can use this as an opportunity to, to talk about that. So what is wrong with saying, uh, well, if you got nothing to hide, then you have nothing to worry about? Well, and to me, it's sort of like, I maybe I've been watching too many, uh, I don't know, dramas on Netflix or, or you know, on, on HBO-based whatever. Um, but it's... To me, it's like if somebody wants to get you for a crime, if they have enough information on you, they could probably piece something together to come up with something that you know, they can get you for. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's like, oh, well, you were speeding. And, and well, okay, well, if you're speeding, then, um, you know, if you get pulled over by the police at the time, that's great, you know, whatever. But if you have this device that is collecting information as you're driving around all the time, and if they ever want to nail you for something... Well, they could just nail you for 500 times that you were speeding. What do they call that? Prosecutorial abuse or uh, harassment? Or um, future crime? Or, or you know. right? Um, well, and 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 as you're talking, I'm realizing another another angle on this is who gets to decide what's wrong, right? Right. Um, here we're saying that well, only criminals would X Y Z. Well, there is a long history of people who we now revere as heroes who were at the time criminals, right? Yes. Um, civil rights activists. Just to start with, people running the Underground Railroad. Um, mm-hmm. uh, They're breaking the law. They were breaking the law. Um, and so what this does is actually, the problem is that it squashes dissent um, in the guise of enforcing the law. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's the, when we talk about the chilling effect, that's what we're talking about, right? Yep. So maybe that's what I should have told this guy. Yeah. So, But there's also, it's funny, when you look at the reactions from the press, uh, or not the press, from law enforcement, there's this echo chamber of citing the pedophile or the kidnapper or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. there's, you know, is this the only thing that, that people have had from a law enforcement standpoint to be able to go after criminals? Like I, you know, like typical like gumshoe detectives and all that, that I'm sure they had other means to, to do this instead of just taking somebody's uh, cell phone. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you know, when law enforcement invokes the safety of children, that's a pretty good indication that that is their last argument. Right. Yeah, um, it's, the it's, they have, they're standing on a weak argument, or the, you know, <laughs> right. the terrorists win, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but you no, know, that there are other avenues. See, this is the funny part: is that even if Apple and Google encrypted everything on our phones, that's fine because law enforcement still has the ability to issue a subpoena um, or a national security letter or whatever and get our information from those companies directly because all the information is also being sent up to their clouds, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so what is, why, and it sounds to me, I mean, if I'm, uh, if I'm law enforcement, um, why would I bother, uh, launching this kind of embarrassingly weak argument in the press about encrypted phones when I have m- not just one, but like many other avenues towards the same information, uh, by going through these companies? Like, why would I, why would I make a big deal out of that? Yeah. Like why, why couldn't they just, you know, pay Google to have like a, have an FBI person have a desk at Google's headquarters so they could just like walk down the hall and say, oh, I need this guy's information. Right. Um, not, a, not a hypothetical, by the way. Yeah. You, I know you and I were talking about this uh, before we were recording, but, you know, maybe one of the thoughts was number one, the um, Google can count the number of people or the number of times they've been approached and, and to search through somebody's data. But um, if law enforcement goes to a thousand different individuals, there's not a record of a thousand. Um, you know, the police may have that record, but the individual doesn't know that 999 other people were searched in the same way. Um, 
Right. The, the other thing is that um, Google probably has more lawyers than I do. Yes, yes, that's also true. Uh, and a, and a, third, uh, a third point to that is that if they are writing a national security letter or get a subpoena from a judge to go after, to go after your data on Google and Apple, um, they have to state the case, right? They have to give the reason why they're looking for it. Whereas if they, are, uh, if they're, they could do a traffic stop, um, stop you for an expired license or whatever, and confiscate your cell phone in the process of that, um, and then yeah. swipe DUI all the data checkpoint. off. Yeah, 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 exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, although I guess that's mitigated a little bit by the uh, the Supreme Court ruling, which says that the that a phone is off limits and it and requires like an explicit warrant. Um, but in any case, it seems like they're just arguing for. Uh, another avenue because the primary avenue, which is probably maybe better protected, is um, uh, is complicated, right? And they want the easy way uh, of getting at your data. Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe they just don't understand how this works at all. And they're like, well, the information is in the phone, so I need the phone now, right? Maybe that's how, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> just it's uh, What enrages me about this is how lazy it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Just as a like, in order to accomplish the objectives they've stated, they have they have a dozen other methods. Um, yeah. And uh, objecting to the idea of anyone using encryption actually goes back pretty far in the history of uh, certainly of the FBI. Right. Remember, Dave? Do you remember the Clipper chip? Yes. Yeah. That was what Al Gore back in the day, and <laughs> right. he was pushing that. Yeah. You know, where it's like, oh, this is great. We could have this chip, and the government could have a back door to it, and it would be awesome. Yes. Yeah. And the government promises never to use the back door unless the court says it's okay. Yeah. And that would uh, that would sell like crazy in like China and Russia, and <laughs> right. you know, anybody wanting to do business overseas, it's like only the U.S. government will have the key to get in, and it's like, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, and then there's I, this whole this whole topic is really fascinating because uh, there's stuff like you can't be compelled to produce your password if I remember right um, to decrypt something uh, because mm-hmm. of the Fifth Amendment. Yes. Um, so you can't you like you are unable to incriminate yourself. But it, the Clipper chip actually gets kind of the heart of this thing, at least for me, which is there is no grand bargain right now between a citizen's right to privacy or right to their own information and the government's legitimate need um, to collect evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's never been the introduction of encryption makes that way more complicated um, than it's been in the past. Right. Yeah. Um, Cause it's not just a matter of like cracking open a safe. Um, interesting. Mm. Really interesting. Yeah, and and in the meantime, it's like you know my laptop that we're recording this on. I'm doing full disk encryption on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's the other thing too, right? Yeah, me too. Like, yeah. all of my devices are encrypted, right? As, I don't know what's magical about this phone, right? Um, and the it, well, and by the way, the people that the FBI is wants information from, they are not stupid. They have encrypted their phones. All we're talking about here is changing the default, right? It's not mm-hmm. like you, it's not like you were unable to encrypt your phone in the past. Yeah. Crazy. Well, yeah, and it's. I think it's for the non-tech savvy or the the stupid criminal or whatever. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah. 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 You know, before you know it, they're going to start uh, cavity searching your pigeons. Exactly. Exactly. I heard about these poor Chinese pigeons. Yeah. Actually, these. Actually, I should say these poor uh, Chinese security agents who had to do the body searches on the ten thousand pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know which who has the worst end of the bargain. Right now. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, what was the what was the backstory? Why were they searching? Why did they have to search ten thousand pigeons? Yeah. So th- I think it's like the sixty fifth anniversary of uh, you know the People's Republic of China or uh, some some anniversary that's coming up, and the Chinese wanted to uh, I guess in Tiananmen Square release ten thousand pigeons, mm-hmm. but before they um, they just don't, didn't want to get like any random ten thousand pigeons, you know, with the fear of, of you know that's probably the first thing terrorists are going to think of, right? Sure. You know, they could yeah. weaponize the pigeons, and um, so what they did was they they got all ten thousand pigeons, and I think they took them to a, a mortuary or something, and just did like um, uh, full you know cavity searches and everything, and and put them uh, took them off the no fly list. <laughs> if there's one thing the Chinese understand, it's scale. Yeah, yeah, ten thousand pigeons. We've we've cracked we've cracked the code on doing body searches for ten thousand pigeons. Amazing. Um, so, Dave, are you following the stuff in Hong Kong? Yeah, there's there's a couple things I noticed going on in there. Um, and first thing I thought I thought of you when I, I heard about this is uh, uh, Fire Chat. You know about that? I had not heard about the tool until you pointed it out to me. Um, so this is a encrypted peer to peer chat system. Um, it's a not encrypted peer-to-peer chat system. Um, it's oh okay. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the other side of the, the story. Um, so it is a peer-to-peer chat system. So you, so mm-hmm. I believe what was happening was in you know with with the uh, protests going on in China with uh, you know voting for uh, you know having a democracy there. Um, people were were protesting you know the mainland uh, Chinese government coming down on them and and just putting in somebody in there without uh, a full election and so the people were trying to protest and organize and everything and I guess there were there were I don't know if it was cell tower blocking or or Wi-Fi blocking or whatever um, but you know people couldn't communicate and get messages out to do the organizing and so what people mm-hmm. were using were using they were using this app called fire chat which will actually do peer-to-peer between the phones in the area so in, so instead of me talking directly to a cell tower, it goes from person to person to person, and, and eventually it, it finds an exit point and then gets out and, and gets posted wherever. Um, oh, nifty, nifty! Like, uh, and it'll use like Bluetooth or Wi-Fi mm-hmm. or whatever's available. Yeah, right? yeah. So it's almost mm-hmm. you could almost think of it as like a Tor kind of thing, maybe. Um, but mm-hmm. but the other part that's kind of interesting is is that that works really well at scale, I guess, too. So instead of everybody hammering one cell tower, you can uh, do peer to peer and and do some, you know, have it figure out if if there's a choke point to like get navigate around it. Um, mm-hmm. Oh sure. Yeah, sure. but there was. Um, a blog post from uh, Bruce Schneier that he pointed to um, that uh, FireChat is actually it's cool that it's peer to peer, but it's also not secure because the messages aren't encrypted. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> actually, and somebody had pointed me to a uh, to a web page. I'll I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, a web page which uh, actually dumps all of the current activity on FireChat, so you can sit there on one web page and just watch a whole bunch of JSON fly oh, by wow. um, of every message going through the system. Yeah, whoops. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but the other the other cool thing too is I, I just saw this is that there's um, a three minute video YouTube video I'll put it in the show notes of a drone flying over Hong Kong uh, during the protest, um, and so 
imagine, you know, how congested Hong Kong is and everything, but there's like thousands of people and it's like this drone is slowly flying over and people are waving to it and everything like that. And it's, it's pretty cool video. So speaking of spyware, um, and, and mm -hmm. malware and backdoors and whatnot like that, um, did you hear about the uh, Pakistani man that, yeah, yeah, you had said this to me, this, uh, this, this Pakistani guy, uh, so but he had this, he had this spyware application, yeah. right? Um, and then the FBI popped him for selling yep. it. Yeah, we'll put a link to the FBI website on there. Um, and so basically, you know, he's indicted for selling this this spyware app called uh, Stealth Genie. Um, and so um, it's it's an app that can monitor cell phone calls, monitor texts and videos and communications on mobile phones without the phone user's detection. Um, so this this is like the first ever criminal case concerning an advertisement of, of and sale of a mobile device spyware app. And so what made this illegal is that it was like explicitly for non-consensual monitoring, right? Yes. Is that that's what makes it because there's all kinds of apps which will let you like turn on the phone remotely and you know do stuff, yep. right? Um, okay. So but the, but the whole but the point of this was that it was it was. And I wonder how you phrase that. And it was that. Like, also it, it... for sale to ordinary people. Oh, I see. I see. So only the FBI gets the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. They have uh, some good stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you get the latest copy of uh, Computer Cop? <laughs> this is the EFF posted a uh, posted a, something about this. Yes, yeah, so this is. Um, internet safety software um, that is yeah. being quote unquote well which is being uh which is being distributed to like local law enforcement agencies um to be distributed to like parents and stuff mm -hmm. um, it's to protect the children what is the this is like so instead of ex the the bad guys using technology to exploit children the law enforcement is using encryption tech or using spyware technology to protect children Yes, okay, I exactly. It. I, I'm uh, Makes yeah. perfect sense. So, the, yeah, that's right. So, this software will do things like keep track of all the websites that you are visiting. No, only uh, your children. Who you are? <laughs> I'm sorry, your children. Mm -hmm. uh, who you? Who you? Quote unquote, your children are chatting with. Um, it uh, quote unquote keeps dangerous strangers out of your home, which I. Oh, watch the video. Don't... You'll see it. <laughs> There's a guy in the uniform like a... with a badge. He tells you it keeps dangerous uh, strangers out of your home. Okay, well, if he's wearing a uniform, I suppose i got to take him at yeah. his word. The, um, the peaceful strangers that are in your home, it, it's totally ineffective. Only the dangerous <laughs> ones. And a key logger. Yeah. Are they crazy? But it's encrypted, right? No. No, <laughs> no it's, it's not. not encrypted. So, like, if you go to a website and you enter your password, you're basically sending your password up to a third-party internet server, and it's totally in the clear. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, really, it's like... It's just, a, it's a honeypot is what it is. It's, it's mm -hmm. like, please hack my stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but nobody's that's using incredible. it. Uh, did you see the EFF has a list of, uh, of the agencies that are handing this out? And Dave, do you know who's on that list? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The Akron Police Department. Mm -hmm. Summit County Prosecutor's mm -hmm. Office. Summit County Juvenile Court. This is all like in the county that I live Yep. Yep. So, Dave, you have, if you would like to install some spyware on some some police approved spyware on your machine, you have many venues. Yeah, you have I, I many possible venues. Have, have a copy for RHEL seven. Oh gosh, awful! Just awful. Yep.
Yeah. So you can imagine, like the yeah, we're partway through the ether pad right now. Just like um, we're on a roll here. Um. All right. And you've okay. So speaking of iOS, mm -hmm. uh, you also found a video on how to steal ATM pins yep. with an iPhone. Yep. yep. Yeah. So um, there's you know like how like you can get you have your cell phone you could snap this case on it right mm -hmm. that the, you know mm -hmm. so when when Ingrid drops it it doesn't shatter right right um, right. In addition to this, the case not shatter, or you know, to protect it with the case, it can also do uh, thermal imaging. And um, there's a pretty interesting video that you can go to, and like you know how like you go up to uh, like you're in the uh, grocery store or something, and then you pay with your ATM card, and then you you plug in your PIN. Um, mm -hmm. What somebody can do it, that is right behind you in line is that they could hold the iPhone just casually up to. Um, the, the keypad where you entered uh, your, your uh, pin and it'll mm -hmm. do it'll take a, a heat sensitive photograph of, of the keypad and you can actually it, it, it you could actually see the the heat decay so you could tell which one was most recently pressed so you can figure out what the pattern is too that's pretty cool that's pretty clever um, and so this is why among other reasons this is why in a lot of secure facilities they have keypads that are like LED displays yes. that it, uh, it change the sequence of the numbers um, each time you use yeah them. and yeah. so you, people yeah. can't visibly see the pattern too so they may not see the numbers mm -hmm. but they could see you know you reaching around in a pattern um, one of the interesting things in that video and I recommend people check it out is that um, with and you know this is true for ATM machines too, but um, if the if the keys are plastic, it's more likely to capture the heat signature. But if they're like metal, um, you know, like aluminum keys, um, they will not hold a signature as well. And then they also had some tips too that um, if you're uh, you know while while you're standing in, in Walmart in your Faraday pajamas, um, while you're pressing uh, the right keys. Just don't don't press down on the keys, but just put your fingers over some other keys um, to just warm them up. Oh, sure, sure. Oh, that's very clever. Yeah. Or or use like a hot dog. If it comes to that, I will let you know. <laughs> yeah, hot dog stylus. Yeah. <laughs> um, so da so Dave, I'm now interested. I'm now on the market for a phone that is immune to spyware. Okay. Let's go through the checklist. Okay. Um, I need it, uh, I need it to be impervious to government surveillance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's gotta be thin, right? Cause I need to keep it in my pocket. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and then, uh, you know, the usual like waterproof, uh, Ingrid would appreciate a shatterproof mm -hmm. phone. Um, what about battery uh, life? I would like ne to never have to charge it ever. Okay. Um, and, uh, let's see, I need to be, need a, need a camera on the front and the back, okay. uh, you know, for selfies. Mm -hmm. Because I'm such a fan of the selfies, and uh, let's see what else. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think you're probably getting a, getting a good idea about about what my requirements are. Is there is there anything on the market that uh, that might satisfy? Yeah, me? there's one that this is going to be. You're going to love this. Um, it's it's called the No Phone. It it fits hmm. every one of the the miraculously every one of your requirements. Tell me more. So it's you could think of it as like a 3D printed block of plastic in the shape of a phone and that's it so it's it's impervious to government surveillance it's impossibly thin you never have to update it it's waterproof shatterproof you don't have to charge it it comes with an instruction manual 
it's kind of a short manual. I, I oh expect. yeah, yeah. Well, it's easy. You know, it's it, it's easy to use, right? And it's very intuitive. Yeah, and the selfie upgrade basically has a mirror like taped to it. <laughs> this is yeah. great. That's so wonderful. if you go to the Kickstarter page, there's actually a comparison table with the No Phone and the iPhone six, and I, I highly encourage people to go check that out because it's it's well worth. You know, you can see where the where the No Phone comes out on top and the iPhone six comes out on top. Um, so yeah. All right. So malvertising, Dave. Um, what do these three things have in common? Last FM, uh, Times of Israel, and the Jerusalem Post. Yeah. So this is like whenever you, um, so whenever you have websites that put ads on the website, um, mm-hmm. it's probably not that website. It, that is curating those ads. They're probably outsourcing that to a third-party service that will take somebody's money and in exchange for um, maybe an image or a, a URL, um, maybe a chunk of JavaScript, um, mm-hmm. and uh, put that on somebody's website and just render it in your browser. But the problem is, is that there are uh, bad actors, probably terrorists and pedophiles and and uh, um, people that like like unknown strangers that want to do you harm that are sitting in your house right now. Um, they are writing this poor, this this crafted uh, malware that will go in and uh, so you can go to like you know the the Jerusalem Post and uh, pick up a virus. So you don't even need to go to like a sketchy website um, to you know get something bad. You could actually uh, do it through. Uh, last FM, if you'd like. Uh, this, it goes back to, I mean, we talked about this in the previous episode. I mean, uh, you know, web pages are not a read-only medium. Um, every time you visit a website, you are letting someone else run software on your computer. And we'll talk about that more, too. Yeah, no, that's right. So what? what's the uh, countermeasure yeah. for something like uh, that? Ad block. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, sorry, content providers. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think there's a nice way that that could be monetized. And we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, okay. So, you know, the, the problem with visiting unknown websites is you don't know who's kind of like injecting stuff into your computer. Um, and so this, this brings us to the, to the concept of provenance, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, so, so Dave, what's, what is provenance it, in this context? It's the uh, place or source of origin. So when I go to, uh, dgshow.org, am, am I, pulling down content that lives exclusively on your server or is it pulling down Google analytics and uh, you know, other crazy stuff? Maybe, maybe not. Don't know. Mm -hmm. Could. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, whenever people are going to a website, are you necessarily getting everything from that website? And, and any more these days, it doesn't matter what the website is for the most part, unless you're doing like a very vanilla basic, uh, server, there's probably you know it's probably talking to somebody mm-hmm. yeah somebody no that's else. right that's yeah. true yeah yeah uh, i mean i know on uh, the dg show website for instance we have uh let's see i've actually gone out of my way to uh not put any advertising um or like twitter buttons well, or, sean you know, well i guess yeah. that's true yeah he's our right. only advertiser yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah sean is our yeah uh, he's got an exclusive mm-hmm. yeah that's right um and actually i uh uh with all of this in mind, um, I recently moved my blog over to uh, to use SSL. Uh, but then this announcement came out from Cloudflare. You see this? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like Oprah, right? It's, uh... <laughs> exactly. Right. And you get SSL, and you get SSL, and you get SSL. Yeah. So um, what happened? Yeah. So they, yeah. So Cloudflare is a 
uh, I guess you'd describe as a proxy service, right? So um, you take, uh, so in the example of uh, dgshow.org, um, you tell Cloudflare, okay, I would like you to take care of dgshow.org for me. And their usual service has been things like, uh, they will take dgshow.org and remap it to their servers, which will then in turn talk to the real dgshow.org. Mm-hmm. And by putting them in the middle, you do things like they will protect you against uh, denial of service attacks, they'll you know malware attacks, things like that. Um, an excellent service um, and a bunch of very, very smart people. Um, they also have the goal of uh, making half the internet encrypted mm-hmm. um, in order to prevent it from being, um, you know, uh, surveilled. Uh, and so they introduced a new feature on their, even on their free tier, which is called universal SSL. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they are, uh, by signing up for their service, uh, you, your website is now automatically encrypted. Mm. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's very cool. Uh, and so it, it's encrypted between the client and them. Right. Right. Uh, but not, but it's up to you to get them to encrypt it between them and you, right. if that makes yes. sense. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so dgshow.org is uh, signed up, so I'm waiting for that, that part of the service to turn on. Maybe by the time folks hear this, dgshow.org will be encrypted by default. Um, and so, uh, I mean, just what a wonderful service. And I don't know if you read some of the technical details about how they pulled this off. I, I, I heard that they're doing some really innovative stuff, but I haven't studied it yet. What, what are they doing? Yeah, so I encourage everybody to go read the whole, there's a whole series of blog posts about how they pulled this off technically, because if you think about it, they have, I think it's 2 million websites, so uh, obviously it's impractical for them to like cut 2 million fresh certificates, mm-hmm. right, for, for all these providers. So instead of what they do is they have a Cloudflare certificate that has, whatever, 2 million alternative names in it. Wow. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, and so just an extraordinarily clever solution. And it's not just like cleverly working with the, uh, the existing like certificate system. It's also, um, all of the kind of hardware hacking they had to do. Um, the fact that they're able to do this at all is totally dependent on the fact that you can now run certain encryption algorithms on the chip, uh, on Intel chips. Mm-hmm. Um, and which makes, uh, and you know, they did the math, um, cause you know, people think that SSL is, or, you know, encrypting websites is expensive from a server point of view, right? Mm-hmm. And for a long time, that was true. Uh, what they demonstrated in this in their blog post is that it is basically free yeah. uh, to encrypt a website. Uh, you know, computationally, it's basically free. Um, so, which anyway, super exciting, really, really cool, and just a noble, noble thing to have done. Um, so, uh, high five, clap, clap, yeah, nicely, nicely yeah, done. Well done, well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're so we were talking about um, running ad block, right? And and mm-hmm. so yeah. um, you know, it's in many ways it's like awesome, right? It de- declutters your life, but in some ways, like I feel guilty, like for a tenth of a second that I don't have blinking ads tormenting me, which are used to pay for the web content and the webs, you know, the and for the service and everything. Um, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, and and you know, it's the kind of thing that. You know, people would present it as well. If you want to have this content, well, somebody, these people have to get paid, which is a fact, right? And but sure. you know, in the past, the only way to do it was through um, through doing advertisements. And um, so there's some guys at MIT. They were actually doing a, uh, a hackathon, and they figured out a way that well, hey, instead of putting ads on people's websites, 
why don't we just like if people go to a website, it'll just uh, mine Bitcoin for while they're visiting the site. And once they leave the site, it stops mining the Bitcoin. Huh. Huh. Yeah. That's really interesting. Almost like a, <laughs> it's almost like barter. Yeah. So if, if while, while you're there, you know, it's, it's, you're just contributing some compute cycles and probably while you're looking at a web page, you're probably not, you probably have some idle compute cores that are running, uh, or that are, that are idle, uh, waiting to do some things. So, you know, why not? I, I think that's totally fair. And I, I think that's a, a fair exchange for web content. And I, I would love to see yeah. that happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially, uh, I mean, there, I guess there's a matter of like consent, right. right? Making sure that you're not, you know, stealing people's cycles to, to do this work. But um, no, that's a very clever way to solve the problem. That's great. Yeah. Um, so, so this should be a hugely popular startup right now. Yeah, right? The, the government should be giving them a medal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I suspect, they, they didn't. since we're talking about it, I suspect that's not no, the they, case. No, they gave them a subpoena. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great. And, and, Thanks, yeah. Thanks, government. Mm -hmm. So these guys are at MIT. Um, so they're in Massachusetts writing this thing. And and mm -hmm. so I guess while they're in Massachusetts writing this thing, and it didn't even go into production. It was just like prototype code that they did at a hackathon. Um, the um, New Jersey Division of Consumer Affairs, um, uh, you know, that it's like, it, it, I guess these MIT guys in Massachusetts broke the law in New Jersey. Uh, okay. How did they do that? Yeah. So it's, I, well, I, and this is the other part of it is it seems like they were, um, I guess if they had it up and somebody from New Jersey, and this is my interpretation, if somebody from New Jersey might've looked at that website, well, that's where they would have broken the law. Um, and so they're like subpoenaing, uh, the MIT students uh, for the source code and all the logs, and they want to know oh, well, how many bitcoins did you mine during this thing, and and all that. Um, and so um, the EFF is is actually uh, representing them um, to um, uh, you know saying that um, it's unconstitutional for um, the state of New Jersey to target a Massachusetts resident, um, and that the authorities don't have jurisdiction over them. Which again, this is kind of interesting going back to that. Um, uh, the Microsoft uh, Ireland case for, to get a hold of those emails. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, well, and also, you know, and also a little disappointing for me because you know getting it thrown out on a, on jurisdictional grounds um, prevents the EFF from actually taking New Jersey to task for like crappy like crappy laws and policies. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would love to see this like hashed out in court and New Jersey humiliated, yeah. uh, by, you know, an angry judge. Yep. Uh, but instead, I guess they're going to argue that, uh, that it's a no op. Okay. Well, huh. I can't, yeah. That'll be interesting to see how that turns yeah, out. Yeah. But I can imagine like, you know how like Google is Google today because of the smart way, the revolutionary way that they were able to, you know, put ads in places. And if, Mm -hmm. You swap that ad model out with mining Bitcoin or, you know, doing some sort of computational thing. You know, maybe it's high performance computing or you're splitting genomes or you're, you know, analyzing MRI scans or doing alien, uh, um, you know, uh, radio signal, you know, SETI research or whatever. Um, I think that could be like totally disruptive. Um, I, I don't yeah. know. If, you yeah, know, it could. I don't know if that something like that could like totally disrupt, say, Google's business model um, from an ad mm -hmm. standpoint, um, 
or if they would just totally embrace that with open arms and say like, well, how you know, how often do you just have like the Gmail tab open in your browser? Right. right. And right. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or somebody like Netflix that is just like, oh, well, I could have my, you know, if Netflix, while I'm sitting there, you know, watching, you know, three hours of Netflix every night, um, my little Roku box has another core that's just mining Bitcoin for them. And you have everybody that is in uh, that's a user of Netflix is mining Bitcoin for them. Yeah, that is interesting. And what kind of disincentive would they have to do that? I mean, there's basically none, right? Um, like your Roku box is idle almost all the time. You would never notice. Mm-hmm. Um, huh. Really interesting. Yeah, and so you could and you think about yeah. the like those you know with a lot of these like your cell phones and your tablets. You know, they have GPUs in them, and you know you could do GPU, you know, accelerated. Uh, uh, single instruction, multiple data, um, you know, the heavy duty math on, on GPUs. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, you know, use the example of like searching for extraterrestrial life or, uh, you know, pedophiles <laughs> or, uh, or, you know, or, you know, curing cancer or whatever, but, uh, chances are pretty good that, uh, that this is going to be all about money, right? Mm-hmm. This is going to be about people making Bitcoin. <sighs> All right, take me away. Take me away. Give me a let's 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 move on to happier things. Uh, what's up? What's up, with Lauren? Um, yeah. So um, her, she just had an interview published in Raspberry Pi today. Nice. Yeah. On her uh, juggling uh, uh, rig that she had going. Very cool. Yep. That's wonderful. And I, um, so does, so does she have a does she have a press agent now? Um, like, does she have like a business manager who you who you have to talk to first before you can talk nope. to her? No, I don't know how she does this. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, uh, I, yeah. It's and and does good in school at the same time. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. That's just amazing. Yeah, and it, to me, it's it's almost this like domino effect of well, it went from the scratch game to, um, you know, to the doing stuff at ThinkBox to doing you know, and it's it was just like mm-hmm. one thing after another, and and like I don't know if you ever saw that like the YouTube video of this little domino and then you have these bigger and bigger dominoes that just keep on falling over. And it's, it's, it's sort of like that where it's like, you know, it's just, just this little, you know, butterfly flapping its wings. And, and before you know it, it's, it's, you know, something that's really huge. So she's doing really well. I'm proud of her. Oh, that's great. That's great. I have, and I'll have some big news to report on next episode, I hope, uh, but I don't want to jinx it by saying anything now. Okay. Okay. Looking forward to that. Uh, all right. So what's up with, uh, what's up with Red Hat? Yeah. Speaking of big news. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, so we got the new version of Red Hat storage 3.0 that came out. 3.0. And the thing that I I think you and I really like about this is that it's not just Red Hat saying, here's software defined storage. You figure out how to use it. Um, you know, we're actually (laughs) coming out with some really good partners, like say like own cloud, Showing it where we did a uh, reference architecture showing how um, own clouds commercial product works great with Red Hat storage if people want to do uh, their own Dropbox sort of solution. Um, and Hortonworks just did a, a uh, they, they have uh, labs where you could use Red Hat storage um, to uh, instead of uh, HDFS. Oh, that's great. That's very cool. Yeah, and the OwnCloud thing was very thorough, too. I mean, it wasn't just like a reference architecture PDF, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like they went through the TCO. I think it worked out to, what, $4.45 uh, per person per year in order to run uh, 
in order to provide uh, like a Dropbox like service inside a company and keep all your data like inside the walls. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's pretty clever. Very cool. That's really great. Um, let's see. Oh, Dave, have you heard of a little thing called Shell Shock? Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, <laughs> how about yeah, it? Yeah, um, I, I am delighted at how well we did uh, with this. Um, the system worked exactly the way it was supposed to, and you know, we got a patch out for this uh, really horrific shell shock vulnerability in a matter of hours. Uh, just really impressed uh, with with how we did, and I think the security response team and all the engineers involved should be a uh, should be really proud of themselves. It was great. Yeah, we had, um, so it was interesting as, um, like a couple episodes ago, you know, we talked about, um, the, the, one of the main maintainers of bash is actually out of case Western up in Cleveland here. And he came and presented at the Akron lug and, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, that's, uh, Chet Ramey. Um, and so he was, he was, so, um, our security team, we, you know, it's like we came up with like a quick workaround, but I guess the final workaround that that we proposed, um, we we gave it to Chet, and Chet said, yeah, looks good, and accepted it, and uh, so you know we helped lead the way with with getting that fix done. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Okay, so and uh, so rel fives fixed, rel six is fixed, rel seven fixed, uh, presumably, yeah, um, and uh, rel four. Um, so yeah, so with RHEL four, we so RHEL four was end of life back in 2012. So there has been no updates to it uh, since that. But what we did do was a one time, you know, knowing that this is pretty severe, we did do a one time uh, update. And if customers want to call and file a ticket, uh, we will get them that updated RPM. Um, we don't have it in RHN, uh, but you know, we'll, we'll be able to provide it to them for. Uh, RHEL 4 is a one-time uh, sort of thing. But um, one thing that people should take to heart, though, is if, if they have RHEL 4 systems, we actually do have a support offering for that called uh, ELS, or Extended Lifecycle Support, um, which if anybody is running RHEL 4, um, they should be using that because um, you know RHEL 4 is not getting any patches since 2012. CentOS 4 isn't getting patches since you know 2012. That's been totally retired, and there there are over like 10 important or critical, well-known security vulnerabilities in OpenSSL, NSS, Bind um, that are where RHEL 4. Um, if you know if you're running you know the last update was in 2012, you are wide open vulnerable. Um, but if you have the ELS add-on subscription to RHEL 4, um, you can get all those updates. So that's the kind of thing. It's, I, I, I fear that people are going to think that, oh, I just patched for Shellshock, so now I'm 100% secure now. And that's that's not the case. Uh, that was really nice of us. Yeah. Huh, great. Um, so, and we'll have links to, like, K-Base articles and stuff in the, uh, in the show yep, notes? Yep, absolutely. Sweet. Excellent. Uh, oh, congratulations to Sean Wells. Yes. Yeah, we're gonna we're uh, gonna waive his advertising fee and, and celebration for this week. <laughs> That's right. He was uh, uh, he was named uh, one of the Government Computer News Rising Star yeah. uh, this year. So nice work, Sean. Very well yeah, done. Yeah, it is for his uh, Open SCAP work and the uh, SCAP Security Guide. Yep. Yep. Um, and isn't he also nominated for a FedScoop Fifty Award? I think so. I think so. I think he is, and I think voting is actually open now for that. Yeah, we'll have to. We'll put a link in there. Yep. We might have to raise his advertising rate, though. 
<laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Oh, so I found, so I got open source policy news, yeah. Dave. So uh, if that doesn't wake you up, I don't know what yeah, will. Yeah, right. Um, so uh, first of all, I found a wonderful presentation from the good people at 18F um, about not really like kind of like procurement wise how to how to how to use open source but um is really a very practical uh even-handed guide to uh, how to bring safely bring open source into your agency or your program um and so they talk about you know these are the ways that you want to use open source you know this is when you would want to download it off the internet this is when you would want to get it from vendors this is how you should use it these are the things you should look out for uh, it was an excellent very very practical guide um so i'll include that uh include that link in the show notes. Um, and uh, also in federal uh, open source policy news, uh, the White House announced that in 2015, they were going to announce a new open source policy. Mm. Uh, and I don't know what would go in that policy necessarily. Um, I suspect it would be along the lines of what we've already seen from 18F and GSA and uh, you know the, uh, the OMB saying, you know, go open source by default, anything you write should be open, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but who knows? And actually, now that, we, now that the CIO has stepped down and the CTO uh, has stepped down, I'm not quite sure who will be driving the bus uh, to actually get that policy implemented, but uh, I'll take them at their word. They say that a new open source policy is coming in 2015, so there you have mm. it. Interesting. Nice. Well, it's, it's encouraging. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, put a policy out like that and uh, I might even, uh, you know, take some vacation days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, after this podcast and you know, all this spyware, malware, all that, I, I just want to take my no phone and just go on vacation. <laughs> That's right. Um, so how much PTO have you accumulated, Dave, do you think? Uh, well, in my case, it like it, I actually, you know, you, we talked about this a long time ago with uh, Remember the Milk. Um, I actually have a monthly reminder um, in my in Remember the Milk to uh, check my vacation days to see if I'm like hitting the ceiling and should uh, burn some off before I lose it. Um, and it's also mm -hmm. forces me to actually take a break once in a while, which is healthy. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. good. Yeah, that's very healthy. Yeah. How about you? Um, I haven't the faintest idea. I uh, I, have, I have no idea. Um, I. I am not keeping track of PTO. I'll be honest with you. I'm not keeping track of PTO at all. Um, I take vacations so infrequently that it never matters. Um, I always seem to have as much as I need or as much as I'm willing to take. Mm -hmm. um, again, probably not healthy. Uh, I should be actually more like you and keep track of it and use it as a uh, uh, use it as a guide to better behavior uh, rather than just treating it like a bank. Yeah. Um, but now you've been you found a completely different approach. Yes. Uh, from billionaire Richard Branson. Right. Um, who who's well known for his large ass, yeah. uh, which apparently also extends to PTO, yep, right? Yep. So he, um, there's an article on uh, ABC News where he wants everybody to have an unlimited vacation. Wouldn't that be nice? Everybody gets a pony. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you get open, you get the free SSL certificate and unlimited vacation, and an no phone. <laughs> yeah. So what's his? I, I, you know, he's a smart guy. He's a, presumably there's something else behind this, right? Yep. Yeah, so it's it, he calls it a non-policy at the the Virgin offices in the U.S. and the United Kingdom, um, and he wants the the all of his company's subsidiaries to stop stop counting vacation time. 
Uh, is that like an accounting thing? Like it's because uh, like unclaimed vacation time is a liability on the books, right? So that's that's why he would say that. Right? Um. Well, yeah, and well, that is an interesting uh, uh, observation. But I think for him, he's like, oh, if you want to take a vacation day, just don't bother coming in. That's okay. Take some time off. That's cool. Yeah. Richard Branson's Richard Branson's cool. Yeah. So, um, and to quote the article, um, uh, yeah. So, so to quote the article, with unlimited vacation time, Branson's employees will have time to seek out adventures like their leaders, such as taking hot air balloons across the ocean, hang out on a private <laughs> island, or a trip to space if they're so inclined. <laughs> That's yeah. the first, those are the top three things I would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's funny. Those are the top three on my list too. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So, how much of these is like shrewd business decision, and how much of this is like Branson grandstanding? And then again, like how much of it is also um, like Branson being a little Pollyannish? I I think it's a little bit of all of it, if I were to guess. But you know, mm-hmm. if I were, you know, it, the other thing is if I was like. And I'm not saying he's an evil CEO, right? Not not at all. But if if I was an evil CEO, I may have a no vacation. The CEO of Keurig. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. And I'm not going to name other names either. You know who I'm talking about. Um, I certainly mm-hmm. do. Um, but having a, uh unlimited vacation thing could be a way to get workaholics to not take a vacation. So... If I didn't have a ceiling on my vacation hours where I would be like losing vacation hours, I wouldn't have a remember the milk reminder reminding me every month to take vacation because I'm going to use it or lose it. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Of course. Of course. Yeah. So to me, it's like the, the whole thought of unlimited vacation and take it whenever you want. I would be like, oh, I can't take vacation. I'll be really guilty. I'll be letting the team down. I can't do that. Um, where here, it's like, oh, I'm. I got eight hours that I got to use up or I'm not going to get it back. So I'm going for a motorcycle ride. It's sunny today. And, and, and to me that is really good and it's physically healthy. It's mentally healthy to, you know, sometimes you got to like set the keyboard down and, and just, you know, take a break for a little bit. That's interesting. It's like a, it's a, it's an economics thing too, right? Uh, You got me, you got me turning this upside down now because uh, you know, you take a resource and you make it unlimited, and its value drops to zero, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, that's what you're talking about here? Yeah. Huh. yeah, and then the other part of it is, like, you bring up the accounting part of it. What happens, like, if I wanted to be, so we talked about the evil CEO. What if I wanted to be the evil employee and say, hey, Richard, I'm going on a hot air balloon ride. I'm going <laughs> to start, I'm going to, you know, get a couple elephants and make my own coffee for a little bit, you know, and you, you, you know, and I'll see you in a couple of years. And, you know, would you, how can you fire somebody if they're, if the policy is that they could take as much vacation as they want? Yeah. Your, your employee reviews and kind of your merit reviews would have to be basically like airtight. Yeah. Right. Um, you would need to be able to fire someone for poor performance. So like, the U.S. government would not be able to have an unlimited PTO policy. Mm-hmm. Well, the, yeah, they're right. they're struggling with telework, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so crack the tele, telework problem first, right. and then start, you know, and then start entertaining the idea of a uh, of unlimited PTO. Yeah, yeah. Well, but um, one of the other cool things is when I was at SGI, 
really mm-hmm. cool thing that they did. And I don't know if I told you this before. Um, the, you know, so at SGI, you know, there there were people there for like 20, 30 years, you know, part of the Cray acquisition. Like these guys were there forever. And you can imagine after, you know, being, you know, people, it's, we owned MIPS, right? And so, mm-hmm. but through all these acquisition and, and people were making vacation time hand over fist. And so it was the kind of thing it's like, you know, they could probably take like three months off a year um, because they have so much, you know, tenure and all that. Um, and so one of the policies that they had at SGI was that um, there were, you know, like we would have this announcement list that like an HR person would, would post on it saying that, hey, we have an employee that has run into uh, a medical situation or uh, a situation with their family and they need some time off. Um, does anybody want to donate some vacation time so they don't have to go negative? And oh. I, you know, and it's by the time I saw that email and I'm like, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to do it. There, it, there, there's like an email, like, like eight minutes later saying the request has been filled. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So what a great idea. So think about that from a culture standpoint of like, wouldn't you want to work for a company like that? That it's like, you know, it's like you run into some hardship and, um, your fellow employees, you don't know who it was, but somebody, you know, in your company is like, Hey, you know, here, take some time off. And, you know, and, you know, it's like, take care of your family. You do what you need to do, do what's right and all that. Um, and, you know, and I, I've run into that too with, um, you know, I, I had, uh, some people pass away, uh, when I was at SGI too. And I, I remember my boss just saying, you know, just, just go, just don't worry about work, come back when you need mm-hmm. to, um, mm-hmm. it'll be okay. And, you know, it's, it's stuff like that, that is, it makes it like a great company to work for. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, what's interesting for me, I, it, so you could have the same policy, um, but it but ask people to solicit the PTO on their own, right? So you could have that policy where PTO is transferable from one employee to another, mm-hmm. and you could say, hey, listen, you know, sorry, that was a tough break. Uh, you know, so why don't you go see if, if one of your coworkers is willing to share uh, PTO with you, right? That would be one way to do it and have exactly the same policy. Uh, there's something magical about the HR person emailing the whole company asking for the donations. I think that makes it qualitatively different um, and, and a much better experience for the employee. It's right? yeah. Um, it's not an individual having your back. Mm-hmm. It's the entire right. organization, you know, and, yeah. and, you know, to me, that's what corporate culture is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Wonderful. Okay. Now, you know, we started off on a little Rocky with the ranting and the, and the surveillance and whatnot, but, uh, that ended on a very, yeah, we need note. to end like it. That. Yep. Mm-hmm. all right okay yeah we'll stop here um okay so dave if uh folks want uh want to learn more about uh the government's ridiculous surveillance arguments um if they want to learn more about uh, the sweet new own cloud and hortonworks reference architectures um maybe they want to read up on the shell shock stuff uh what what website can they yeah or if they want to hear christopher walken read where the wild things are most importantly yeah yeah. yeah. they need to go to dgshow.com Org. So D is in Dave, G is in Gunner, show.org. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And thanks, yeah. Dave. Thanks.